Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. This is Kate. I'm Megan. And I'm John. And on today's special episode, <laughs> you guys aren't old enough to even recognize that. Okay, so it used to be a long time ago when they had special episodes on TVs, they would always highlight on Growing Pains on a very special episode. Do you even know what Growing Pains is? Yes. Yeah. I think this episode is special every time. He <laughs> oh. just got all very quiet. Oh. Like, oh. I was trying to think of the guy's name, Alan. Alan Thick. Yeah. Or He's... Kurt Cameron. Yep, Kurt Cameron. And then the guy that played Boner, he died. Sylvester Stabone, which was the... <laughs> that was his name on the show, Sylvester Stabone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. John, do you know at all what, what we're talking to? I've heard the name Growing Pains before. Oh my God. I feel so old. Those are my favorite. Growing Pains, Who's the Boss? Uh, Silver Spoons was another big one. I used to love when Boy I was Meets kid. World. Boy Meets World. Even that was a little later than growing. Yeah, I love Boy Meets World. Favorite. Yeah, Topanga. Topanga. Oh, Topanga. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I remember Power Rangers. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Derek. Derek was talking about, and he's like. Someone like he liked the Green the Jason. Ranger, the Jason Ranger, yeah. and then someone and like, said, well, I like, well, I like the Kimberly, and I choked. And Derek goes, "I did too," and I said, "Yeah, but for very different reasons." Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, uh, you know, it's actually one of the things that's been really encouraging. I've had several people who have told me how much they're appreciating the podcast, and I've had people I honestly didn't expect, yeah, uh, who've been listening to it and said they they're enjoying the perspective. Um, really exciting news! If you're listening to this, we're uh, we'll be announcing. But we hired a worship director, yeah. uh, Sean Lumpkin, and his wife, Ashley, are going to be coming. And Sean actually sat in on the podcast last week. And I asked him, I said, what do you think? And he goes, honestly, it was, you guys are really smooth. He goes, the conversation smooth just really like flowed. Butter. Smooth yeah. like butter. Sorry. But he talked about how he's like, he was surprised at how, really just how thoughtful, but everything just went by so fast. And I, I was just, I was really encouraged by that compliment and I'm excited and excited to have him come. And so there's good stuff. Well, hey, we are in our uh, new series, Passport, where we're looking at the book of Galatians and we're going to have other, uh, once we're finished with Galatians, we'll take a little break. And then I think we're going to do Ephesians, which will be another Passport series. Um, but we've been walking through and last week, so on Sunday, uh, everybody at Sermon Read Through, I, I read all the way through verse, I think it was 14 initially. But on Sunday, I only preached through verse six. Oh, mm-hmm. I was thinking two. So. No. You <laughs> <laughs> did get a little bit further than two, but I, I remember that going. I oh, got to, I think I got to verse fever. six. Yep. I think I got to verse six. No, it was verse five. Five. Because it was six through 26 is this Sunday. Yeah. And I actually think we'll get all through it because I don't have to do the intro as much anymore. Um, but, you know, it starts off with in, in this week, Paul is talking about this kind of, they they lost the gospel. They, the gospel got so easily twisted. Um, now, we've talked about this before. I think you and I, Kate, are the only ones who weren't raised in church. Yeah, probably. And I think Megan and John, like you guys came out of the womb, like doing the, like praise Jesus. I know. like going to like John's Kumbaya. family dinners and they all sing a prayer. And yeah, you're like, like, what is this song? I mouth peas and carrots along with them in yeah, the background. We just, we just do like the the doxology kind of praise God from whom all blessings flow, that sort of thing. And if you're not, you don't do that. It's, it's weird. Yeah, I get it. But <laughs> yeah. Jason or I just yeah. made eye contact well, with like laughing red some, faces. Some pe- yeah, some and people like, will go, oh yeah. really nice how to join. Yeah, right, right. And yeah. Kate's like, the doc's what? Yeah, no, I was like, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and that's, so we were talking about how, okay, so Paul is writing to this church in Galatians. And the Galatians church is filled primarily with Gentile believers. Gentiles are non-Jews, right? And, and we went through this timeline. And just think about this for a moment. Okay, so we have, I became a Christian in 1989. Good for you. Uh, good for Jesus. Good for Jesus. Yeah. Good for Jesus. I didn't, I didn't save me. Come on, Kate, get Sorry. with it. <laughs> um, but even my faith, even though I was still new in faith and young in faith, I had a fully formed Bible. I had all 66 books of scripture, 27 New Testament. Um, I had a pastor who went through or was going through seminary, who was my youth pastor. 
I had the whole Baptist tradition because I got I came to Christ at a Baptist church. I mean, we've got two thousand years of history. So even though I was brand new in faith, faith was not brand new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet here you have this church in Galatians. So Jesus dies in thirty three A.D. Uh, around sixty to ninety days after Jesus dies, resurrects from the dead, uh, goes and bees with people. He then appears to this guy named Paul or Saul, um, which we talked about this last week in the podcast. Is Saul was his Hebrew name. Paul was his Greco-Roman name. So Saul becomes a follower of Jesus. And we talked about this on Sunday is Saul didn't actually have a conversion. Saul was always believed in God. In fact, he believed he was honoring God by persecuting Jesus. Um, And then all of a sudden he realizes that this God, this Jesus he's persecuting is the very God he's been worshiping all along. Yeah. And and we talked about in this word revelation in the part of Galatians chapter one. He talks about the revelation of Christ brought to him. And that word revelation is the word apocalypsis, which is where we also get our same word revelation in the book of Revelation. And what it really means is an unveiling. And if you're familiar with the story of Saul, when he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus to persecute the church, he's thrown off his horse. He's blinded by God. Literally, his eyes are covered. And now Paul is talking about the revelation, which the word revelation means to unveil. Yeah. And he uses that word to say, literally, I was blind. I didn't see. God had to open my eyes to the revelation that Jesus is the God I've been worshiping all along, and I just didn't know. Right? So then you have, after that, he has a little bit of time. We talked about this on Sunday. Is uh, Paul, Saul at this point, he hasn't gone officially over to his Roman name yet. Um, Saul is led by the hand to this guy Judah's house. And then the Lord comes to this uh, disciple named Ananias who goes, Ananias, you need to go to this guy's house over here on Straight Street. There's a man there who's blind, who needs to be healed. And I've given him a gospel. I've given him a message to proclaim Jesus to the Gentiles. Ananias goes and prays over Paul. It says the scales fall off of Saul's eyes, literally an unveiling, a revelation. He is then filled with the Holy Spirit, which is straight from Acts chapter 9. And then he, Paul, Saul gets baptized. And then he immediately starts going out and preaching. Yeah, immediately. He, like immediately. Like, and he starts, but I'm curious, like, what do you think Saul, what was he preaching? Because he didn't have a fully formed gospel That's what yet. I think of, like, when you think of, like, a new Christian, when they're just, like, so on fire, but they don't really have that knowledge yet. <laughs> they're just you saying know? things. They're just like, I don't know. I was one way before, and I'm a totally different way now, and all that's in between is Jesus. Come and see. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we were, we had talked about doing a series uh, a year and a half ago each of us wondering what Bible character we best related to. You remember that? Yeah, I sure do. Who, who was yours? It was the woman at the well. And who was yours? I went back and forth on several. Um, I really wanted to do JL. Oh, yes, with the tent peg. Yes. <laughs> cool. That would be amazing. I think we might do that just you so totally... you can drive a spike through somebody's skull. Volunteers, <laughs> <laughs> Volunteers please. Excellent. We'll just get a cantaloupe and put a wig on it. Yeah, yeah like right. Gallagher. <laughs> Good reference. That was Thank for, you for It wasn't so much that I related, but I just like that she is a a hero in a story that she's not the main focus, but she yeah. added to yes the bigger picture. Yeah, and as a female. That. Yes. Yeah. So, and was who who else did you look at? Um, Martha. I feel like I relate just more in that aspect anyway of being a doer and a helper and just sitting and being present with people um but there was another one esther is like my favorite book of the bible could you imagine someone being like i think my story is jesus i'd be like (laughs) wow down Uh, a peg a bit who was your who was yours um, I remember looking at it and and going back to oh, yeah, Jonathan, Neil, like not because my name is Jonathan, but I just I had really identified with him in the David Old Testament. and Jonathan, David and Jonathan, yeah. So he was the best friend of David mm-hmm. and the son of the current king Saul. Saul. Not the Saul we're talking yeah, about in right. Galatians, different guy. And it was it's just crazy thinking about his life and like this is the kid. Like if things had gone different, he would be king. Like and he gave that up because he was best friend, best friends with David and could see what God was doing in his life. Yeah. And just a lot of things like advocating for him to his father and being that. I that can support. see that in you. Yeah. I, I can very much see that in you. I remember my now. Oh, yeah. Because it, because it wasn't a woman that I was going to do. I was going to do Aaron, <gasps> brother of Moses. Oh, yeah. Cool. Ooh, I love that. Not just sticking with the gender stereotype. Yeah, that's mm. great. That's what I relate to most. And you know what? I would affirm I would affirm both because, Kate, what I know of you and your story mm-hmm. and where you came to Christ and 
you very much are a supporter mm-hmm. who comes along. I mean, and I'd say this, I mean, even though we're on the podcast, uh, your role as an executive director, well, first of all, all of our staff is amazing, but um, I've so appreciated your role in executive director because I'm like a I'm like a cat you got by the tail. I'm all over the place if I don't have you and It's a Derek very difficult life. job to herd cats. It really is. And I need to cat be herded herder. at times. <laughs> I literally have come in. I'm like, Megan, I'm thinking about this. And she's like, we can't do that. <laughs> just, just move on to the next Change thing. Change your ideas. Which okay. is why I have them in my life. She because, just helps you move on to the next thing a little faster. But I think I'm better. I'm not coming with a thousand ideas anymore. Yes. It's more like a hundred. <laughs> Let's talk about this later. And then you... Like you forgot. You- <laughs> <laughs> if it's really important, you'll remember. Which is true. Which is true. And and that's I so appreciate. It. But you know who I for the longest time I always thought Peter was who I identified with. Oh, Peter. Okay. Because Peter's a guy who's very bold. Always put his foot in his mouth. Was the first one to jump out of the boat, but also the first one to be like, "I'll never betray you, Jesus!" And then mm-hmm. you know totally denies him. And then the more I've grown in my faith, the more I realize I think I identify most with Saul. I thought, yeah, that's what I would say. And part of what, and this is what's important for me, is that um, when Saul changed his name to Paul, and here's the thing, the Holy Spirit didn't tell him to do that. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. This is not Abram becoming Abraham or Sarai becoming Sarah. Or Jacob. Or Jacob becoming Israel. There's a reason why Saul changed his name, and it had more to do with what God had done in his life, but also his calling. Mm. And Saul realized that in order to witness to the Romans, to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, if he came as a Jew, they wouldn't respect him. Yeah. And he was a Roman citizen. We know that in several chapters he talks about in the book of Acts when uh, they wanted to throw him in prison. He's like, great, but I get a trial because I'm a Roman citizen. You don't just get to throw me in prison. So when he changed his name to Paul, it's because he had a calling. And when I look at my life, I think about that shift and change in identity that took place for me. And for the longest time, even, and honestly, I can say probably till about eight years ago, I lived in who I was before. And not the mistakes, and there was a lot of good things. But about eight years ago, I realized I had a shift in my calling. And it shaped how I understood my mission and even what I believed about Jesus. And, and I don't mean a calling as a pastor. Like, that's yep. part of my calling. But also my calling of how, do, how am I called to show Jesus to the world, show Jesus in me. and. So when I read Paul and books like Galatians, this is why I love Paul so much, you see this growth in Paul's writing. If you read Paul in Galatians and you read Paul in Timothy, it seems like a very different guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you read Paul in, in uh, Galatians or, or Corinthians, and then you read Paul in Ephesians. Yeah. And by the time you get to Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, you have a much gentler Paul. Galatians, he's kind of harsh. And there's a reason it's, okay, so this goes back to the timeline. This is why we're here. So Paul started the church in Galatians. He goes into, uh, into the province of Galatia and he begins preaching to the Gentiles. And as he's preaching to the Gentiles, um, he finds a bunch of Gentiles become Christians. There's some Jewish Christians who become Christians as well. He leaves them excited as disciples. He's poured into them. But I want you to think about this for a moment. They didn't have scripture. They didn't have a Bible like we do. They didn't have pastors that were equipped through four years of seminary training or even a bachelor's degree in biblical studies. Like none of that existed. All of these things were missing. And a few years later, about anywhere from eight to 10 years later, Paul comes back and the church that he poured into is now fully fully moving away from the gospel he preached, a simple gospel. And I was thinking about this and, and I'd love to hear each of your perspectives from when you were raised. How has your faith understanding of Jesus shifted over time, positive or negative? Like, were there times when you realized that you moved away because of experience? And like, I look at who I am as a Christian, and my understanding of Jesus is way different than it was even five years ago. My experiences, seeing a church close, that changed my perspective of Jesus in the church. Um, So I'd love to hear how how is your... How is your understanding of the gospel shaped? And maybe there were, maybe you can point to a time when it maybe wasn't as healthy. And, or maybe you can point to, hey, I started here and as I grew in this, it looks more like this. So I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. I think I can kind of relate to Paul, early Paul in a lot of this, even though I was raised in the church. I remember when I started owning my faith or that it became important to me, um, that it was something I was choosing, not that 
my parents were making me or it was forced and how on fire I was. And I loved it. And I would talk to my friends about it and I would spend hours reading my Bible and highlighting and like growing in that knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and like praying all the time, praying at night. Like I loved it. And then over time, it was easy to even become secure in the knowledge or in who Jesus was. And so that passion and that excitement kind of dwindled. Yeah. The, the desire was still there, but it was different. And I think as I've aged or matured, <laughs> I'm a mature woman. Um, <laughs> That's a real thing. We've said that a lot of times. <laughs> it just has changed into more of a, a, a quiet confidence, I would yeah. say, more than a zealous, this is really exciting. It, and it is still really exciting. I just don't have that wildfire it's the difference between puppy love and real love yeah yeah no like and i i I think i like what you're saying there because i think when we look at paul even so we we, in the in the galatians text he talks about that he doesn't go to see the disciples for three years and we're going to talk more about this in a minute but uh, or in a little bit but we'll see that you it seems like paul had this fire in his belly and maturing doesn't mean that you don't have the fire it just means you're not it's not it's not burning at a hundred or nine hundred degrees all the time. It's still there, and I think that's I think that's a really beautiful illustration. Is you're still passionate, but it's just it's shifted. It's morphed a little bit into a maturing fire. It's it's a fire that's yeah. not burning down the house. It's warming the house. Fire yeah. is fire either way. And if you think of it like you know like there's a match where it's like there's just a spark. You know that's like that mustard seed faith where it's like just enough, just yeah. enough faith. And then you have like forest fires, yeah. you know, and it's like that burns hot, but it burns out quick. And then you've got like magma. You've got the underlying deep earth shaking, rich, yeah. rich magma that's still hot fire, but it, and it can explode out. It can have this passion and absolutely, but it, but it's always underneath content simmering. Yeah. Which is right. a num- Enneagram 9 that perfectly describes yeah, Enneagram. Yeah, I like that. That is me. And that's yeah. wonderful Actually, in college, I did write a paper about all these different ways to um, explain like passion really based on fire, like using that. Oh, that's interesting. It was a creative writing. Pep. Yeah. Oh, I like that. How about, <laughs> how about like you, that. John? Well, what you said, Megan was really resonant. It was a lot of my life growing up is I knew that I was saved and I knew a lot of the factual statements about the Bible and about Jesus, but it was just very dull. It was just very like, I mean, yeah, I guess I go to church, but I don't really do anything there. And then, you know, I, I, gone every summer to a Bible camp every single summer just because it was fun and I enjoyed a lot of the activities there but it wasn't until I was a counselor in training I came back and I was helping co-lead a cabin with one of the counselors I was gonna say clarify what you mean by counselor yeah, yeah. not like a therapist counselor sorry okay. no 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 like one of the one of the counselors camp, camp counselors camp I'm like counselor. oh you're a counselor I didn't know that yeah no <laughs> It was uh, it was me and then one of the actual on staff counselors that week, and uh, we did the Christ hike, which was our kind You've of. We talked about this before, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it's the camp wide play they put on the life of Jesus, and I'll never forget it. It's just I'd seen that dozen of, uh, dozens of times. Like it's the same thing year after year after year after year. I've seen it as a kid. But it was watching that and hearing the the nails being pounded in. They do this scene where you can just hear cling, 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 and the nails being pounded in. I'll, I'll just like, it just hit me like, this was real. Yeah. This is for real. And I get to play a part in it. And I just remember like leaving that second week of, of uh, being a counselor in training, being like, I want to come back. I want this to be real. And I want to do something about this. Like I felt that fire. Yeah. What about you, Kate? Well, uh, mine has changed so much so fast. You know, I'm still kind of a wildfire. <laughs> I'm still burning hot and bright. Um, I thought when I accepted Jesus, because I wasn't raised in the church in any way, if anything, um, church, religion, Jesus, and or any kind of religion in any form definitely carried a very negative connotation. You were like a militant atheist. I was like a Marxist. I was like, religion is the opiate of the masses. You know, or it's just like, that's what unintelligent people do to make themselves feel better about the things going wrong in their life. Mm. I was so wrong. (laughs) I was so wrong. And so when I finally did accept Jesus and it felt like almost this, I did have a conversion moment where it was like, 
this unveiling where I finally saw all the goodness of God throughout my whole life. I had suffered a lot. Yeah. I grew up in a very hard way. I'd had a lot of trauma and abuse happen. And I finally saw God in all of that. And it just changed my life. But I thought that it was going to change it differently than what it actually did. Uh, I thought okay. that, that Jesus was going to be this magical Roomba. And I've said this before. <laughs> I still love this That I just like push go and he goes, oh, backs up against that one. Gets stuck under the couch. I got to lift him up and pray a little bit more. Like, unable to move. Yeah. <laughs> like it's stuck the underneath. Roomba yeah. Is stuck. <laughs> and it wasn't like that. And it really, and then I realized that I had to take some action in. And that's why I love Esther as well, where it's like, that providence of like Esther's obedience is where we see God. We don't see God mentioned in the book of Esther at all, right. but it's the providence and it's the, the working through. Hand. You see God's hand, right? Yeah. And so then I get very workspaced. And I'm like, oh, I got to earn this. I got to make up for last time. Y'all couldn't get rid of me. I was going to Saturday night, Sunday morning, second service Sunday morning. If there was an event at Zion, I would be there. Like if it was a men's ministry thing, I'd be like, hey, can I, I'll volunteer at this if you guys want. So I could <laughs> yeah. be at everything. I just... I wanted to be here and I just didn't understand. And then as I grew more and I realized, okay, back up on the works a little bit. Like, who am I inherently? And then I started teaching and I started being a part of the Z Kids, which is our children's ministry here, just as a volunteer. I made staff and I kept growing and growing and COVID hit. And I thought that this calling of my life, this discipleship that I was working into was a calling to do ministry. But not just that, but it was a calling specifically to do elementary Z yeah. kids. And when that was taken away, who was I? What yeah. was a calling anymore? I love that in this message you talk about that of like, that's not a calling. My calling is to be a loving and consistent mouthpiece for the word of God to yeah. children. Yeah. I can do that as a cashier that's right. at Fairway. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You, know, not, you don't have to be a, you don't have to have a title. I don't have to it. have a title. I don't have to have an education. I could, as soon as Jesus reveals to me his character, I can go out and tell someone that's that. That's that Christ in you. Right. That's a Christ yeah. in that's me, right, yeah. you know? And so I'm still growing. I'm still learning, still burning hard and hot <laughs> as a forest fire for Jesus. But I, ne I need to learn how to get deeper and I'm still going there. I'm still growing. Well, and, and I and I've shared this as a, when I was in high school. I remember telling my youth pastor, and I've shared this on a Sunday morning. I think I've arrived. <laughs> I've been a Christian for like a hot minute, oh, like two minutes, three, like three years, two years, something like that. And it's like I've read the Bible, and I think I've got this stuff figured out. I think I literally those words came out. I think I've arrived, and he looked at me, and he's like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> and I'm like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "The fact that you just think that means you need to start all over. Like you get nothing. You yeah. understand nothing." Yeah. And for me. You know, one of the things that I had to change for me is, again, and I've talked about, I didn't understand love. Yeah, Love is, was such a foreign concept to me growing up. And when I became a Christian, I understood the head idea that God loved me, but I didn't know what love actually looked like. So that's why for me, uh, the, I actually had a conversion experience. You guys didn't have conversions experiences. Not really. Uh, in, in more non-denominational Baptist assemblies of God. Um, they're really big on what I call saved saved by dates or saved on dates. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> tell you at all. <laughs> yeah, they actually say, when's your, when did you become a Christian? When's your conversion date? And and even if you're raised in the church, you still have to have a saved by date. And I remember my wife, Lisa, would say to me, she goes, I, I feel like I'm half a Christian because I don't have a conversion story. What's mm. wrong with me? Mm. She goes, I've always known about Jesus, but I can point to a time when all of a sudden Jesus became real to me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's because you didn't have a conversion experience. You were always in faith. You just never let it, you never let it own you. You believed you were part of it. You always believed Jesus died for your sins. But there was a moment, there was a time, it may not even been a moment. It, it was less, less a microwave and more a crock pot. Like in a crock pot, when is the food actually done? Uh, I don't know. But in a microwave, ding, like we had microwave faith. Yeah, absolutely. Like I remember coming to Jesus. But here was the thing, what the gospel, and this is where I perverted the gospel for a long time is because I didn't understand love. I thought the gospel was about convincing people of their sin. And I was really harsh. And I thought I was honoring God, much like, much like Saul. Yeah. Saul yeah. thought he was honoring God by hurting this church, by hurting this group called the Christians, and persecuting them, trying to kill them, because he thought they were getting in the way of what God was doing. And I thought it was my job to convert as many people as possible. And it was all on me. And so I would get in arguments and debates and... And I, I wore badges of honor. Like I remember I disproved one of my teachers, my science teacher. 
And I, I thought I was like, oh, and I went around bragging about how smart I was. And, I was like the opposite of you. <laughs> oh, and, and, like, and I would get in debates, and I thought that was my goal was to debate because that's you have to convince people. And all along, I missed love. Yeah. And, and this is where when we talked a few weeks ago about this becoming, like that, that whole message, as I was prepping for it, it really reminded me of my journey. I didn't know what it meant to become like Christ, meant to become more loving. I thought it meant you had to become more legalistic, stop doing things. Right. So Saul, his conversion is, hey, this, not conversion, sorry. Saul's story, his calling is not a conversion to Christ, but rather opening up his eyes and going, oh, I've always been following God, but I actually didn't realize I was fighting against the very God I was trying to follow. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was doing. I think that's very common. Yeah. Just because I've, I've shared this before in a sermon, but very similar I was definitely a goody-goody and doing it because I thought it was for right reasons. I was trying to obey God, but then had a seriously judgmental heart yeah. towards everyone else of like, what's wrong with you? Like, mm-hmm. why would you go do that? Why, why are you spending your time like this? Like, so I, I don't know if that's a new belief. It's a, well, in our discipleship like, language, it's, it's a Kairos moment, yeah, right? Yeah. It's a, you have to go through that. It almost seems like to get to the side of love. Yeah. Well, and now when you look at the church in Galatians, it's no wonder in a span of seven years, they didn't have scripture. They didn't have people around them. They had this small encounter with this guy, Paul, who started a church who taught them a very simplistic gospel, which is the gospel is supposed to be simple. We overcomplicate it. And that's why on Sunday I use that egg illustration. Like the gospel is an egg. Remember when I threw an egg at you? (laughs) By the way, this hasn't happened yet. So she is foreshadowing. Yeah, right. We'll find out. <laughs> but but here's, and this is part of the problem, is that oftentimes if the gospel is an egg, right? The minute you say, well, this is a stone, we all know that's not an, that's not an egg. An egg yeah. is an egg. We know what an egg looks like. And some people will say, well, there's all kinds of different religions. No, denominations, all if they're truly Christian denominations, all believe in the same gospel. If they're true biblical, if they're truly rooted in Christ, even Catholicism, and I, and I know the people that are very anti-Catholic, at the core of Catholicism is the belief that Jesus died for our sins and his faith in him. Absolutely. Now, just like in Lutheranism or Baptist or Assemblies of God or non-denominational, we start adding the things, and that's when we get into problems. But our denominations are really different forms of egg. It's scrambled versus fried versus over easy or hard boiled. And the problem becomes when you start making an omelet. Because when you make an omelet, it's no longer just an egg anymore. That's the definition of an omelet. An omelet, you add things to it, right? And that's so often, it's easy to add things that we think are good. Like, well, of course we want this person to stop doing drugs because they're a Christian. Wait, 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 wait. Whether or not that, them doing drugs or not does not mean they're not a Christian or not. Uh, Otherwise, it's distinct. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, we, but that's a good thing. Should they stop doing drugs? Yes. Yeah. If they love Jesus, the byproduct should be drugs. They don't want that. I don't know about you. I still have sins in my life that I'm wrestling through, even though I love Jesus. Amen. And that's the part, like most things are omelets. They're not trying to purposely distort it. Sometimes we think the gospel isn't flavorful enough. They're trying yeah. to make it better. Yeah. They just because we we have a limited understanding. We are human. We are going to error. Yeah. You got <laughs> to let Jesus add the cheese yeah. and the ham and the whatever else. But you see, here, but here's the thing is I don't think Jesus would make an omelet. See, yeah. I think what Jesus would say is, no, this is still an egg. If you want cheese, well, this is... My this, grace is sufficient. That's right. My <laughs> egg is sufficient <laughs> for you. <laughs> My egg right. is sufficient it's an incredible edible egg, bro. Like, just eat it. And, yeah. But that's the thing is, so even that, well, then Jesus adds that. No, because that, that changes the gospel. No, but you know what goes really good with an egg? Is ham. Mm. Put it on the side. Yeah. Don't mix it with it. It's a yeah. separate thing. It's It goes well with breakfast. It's a it's, good works. It's an evidence of your faith. That's right. Now I'm and, hungry. <laughs> <laughs> this is right before lunch. I'll well, take you out. And, and Megan, that, now depending on how you meant that, you take him out. Could mean you like take him out at the knees or take him yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, that's bold. I'm taking you out. He knows um, I'm violent. <laughs> <laughs> when we talked about being a church that preaches the gospel, and you know, when we think about this, yes, we have to do our words. But if the evidence of the gospel is a life consumed by the love of God and loving others and loving ourselves as Christ. All the things that we're trying to do, like the, the things that we've added this year, from helping hands, you wanting to start yes, this special absolutely. needs ministry, to Josiah's place. Um, what do you? Why do you think? How does that show the gospel to our community? Because let's be honest, you don't have to be a Christian to do those things. Nope. 
So what, what, how do we, how does doing that as a church when we're intentional about the love and respect conference or, um, you know, let's say we, we bring in Peter Ide, right? If, uh, for Christmas, if you know, Peter Ide's a very well-known musician who done Lutheran camps for 20 mm. years, right? We do those things. How is that being the gospel? How is that not adding? How is that more of us wanting to be the gospel of yeah. Jesus? I love that we preach um, the belong, believe, become, and that when you were doing that series, how you connected that to the gospel and what Jesus was doing through his life and ministry, death and resurrection, and what that those promises mean for us. What is what are those promises and what does that mean? That we can live in a community, we can belong together, that we can believe in the promises that our life is more than just suffering here on earth, that there's more for us in yeah. Christ Jesus and that we can become more like that and offer that with others. Uh, the promises that are true in my life are promises that are true in your life, Jason, yeah. and come along with me. And then we keep going along this spiral of, you know, the the synergy of believe or the belong, believe, become. And when we go out, one of the things coming up is this parenting event. Yeah. And when we, Jennifer shameless and I, plug. shameless plug, <laughs> it is free now too. So not only are we offering this incredible opportunity to be equipped with Christ-like minded um, teaching. We're doing a grace-based discipline and we're doing uh, Jason Bone, uh, an incredible um, therapist. Resource counselor. Resource counselor. Sorry, yeah. I, I want to get his, what he actually does correct. So thank you. Yeah, he does um, therapy, but yeah. Yeah, this resource counselor that is coming in to talk about uh, mental health with adolescents and how huge that is in our culture today, how many adolescent people are suffering and it's just a natural normal thing not even if your teen doesn't struggle with depression and anxiety the fact that they're a teenager it's hormonal like these are normal natural yeah. things and how do we how do we do that um when we did a survey at the beginning of the year and we're like we're asking parents we said what's the hardest thing about being a parent it was overwhelming response said i don't know how to discipline how do I yeah, do this? Which is why we're doing this conference. Which it's is why we're, why we're doing it. And we're doing it like, okay, let us come together um, as a community and support you and love you and really put some bang behind our butt. Like we're going to- Or some bone. Some bone behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's put some bone in our meat that we're saying we want to do this, that we are a community and we yeah. want to support you. Look at us actually do that. And and here's, it's easy to talk about what we're going to do. It's a whole other thing to do it. Mm-hmm. And And that's the book of James. Show me your faith, I'll show you my deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you a dead faith. Show me your deeds by your faith, or show me your faith by your deeds. Yeah. And I think we're trying to get to this point where we're trying to put meat yeah. to our gospel and, and really providing these things, not just as an event, but because we're really trying to love our city yeah. and love our people, not just people at Zion, but people who are live in our community. Um, we talked about this, uh, Paul's identity, and Paul has this whole thing, and I think it's verse 10, when he's like, hey, listen, I, I didn't, so I didn't get this gospel from man or anybody else. This is the gospel from Christ. And then he's like, I'm not trying to please man. Uh, I don't know about you. For years, I used to say, I'm not a people pleaser. And then I realized I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> That's a shadow self. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you think about identity, um, how has identity helped you, your identity in Christ? How has it revealed those tendencies in you to not seek affirmation from God, but from other people? And I'll start, I'll just share in my own life. Um, I tend to care more about other people's experiences over my own. And the bigger struggle for me is that, and this was hard. I, had, I remember this conversation with Lisa uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago. I had been doing some self-work, working through who I am, what are the areas of my life that I tend to keep withhold from Jesus. And I realized that one of the big ones was my needs. I rarely share my needs with people. And I remember going to Lisa and I said, babe, um, I know you love me but I don't think you care about my needs. And she was like, what? And there's this lie that I believed, right? And, but really what it came down to is I was so, I wanted her to always be happy that I would subject my own happiness so that she was. It was a form of people pleasing. And it actually limited our relationship. And ever since I started sharing that, now my wife is actually able, I I had to be honest about that people pleasing because it was actually keeping me from deeper intimacy with my wife. And I find that in other areas, but that was a big one that stood out to me because it's not just there. I have the same thing with God. I actually, I've, I've struggled for years believing that God actually will provide for my needs, even though he's done it over and over and time and time again. Not the way I've wanted. I'm like, you know, God, I'd really like to love, win the lottery. 
Right. But you can't win if you don't play. And I'm like, well, just send me a magical lottery ticket, you know? Yep. 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 <laughs> How about you guys? What are the areas where maybe God has been revealing in you uh, areas where he's trying to work on maybe those people pleasing or looking for affirmation from the wrong source? I really enjoyed when we went through Journey and the Kairos stuff. Journey's our discipleship process for yes, those who don't know. It very much revealed that I have a control issue. <laughs> what? Hi, Megan. Uh, I have a control issue. Hi, Megan. Um, hi, Megan. <laughs> so when we were talking about how um, Paul was confident, not arrogant, and that arrogance can be rooted in that insecurity, I struggle with that. I'm, I'm never verbal about arrogance. Like, I, you will probably never catch me saying something verbally. But on the I'm inside... If I feel like I have lost control or if I'm not over a situation, I get nervous. What is someone else going to do? They're going to mess it up. And then it becomes a high thinking on myself of I need to be the one to come in and fix or say the right thing, Mm -hmm. do the right thing. Be the rescuer. Yeah, which is. I feel that. Man, that's never true. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the part. It's not not that it's never true. Like sometimes you do come in and you do a better job. But. When you find your identity in that. Right. Mm. And now that's the insecurity part is you have to I do it. I never need to have control. That's right. Yeah. 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 How about you guys? I would say like when we were talking about the woman at the well and she didn't know her identity. And like I've, John I've, chapter four. John chapter John four. Three. The woman at the well was this woman with many husbands, not her husbands, um, and had this like promiscuous 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 lifestyle um and was at the well at the middle of the day which is not normal alone and she i just i really resonated with that story because of that shame of her Mm. identity of like what i've done is who i am and now Mm. i can't belong anywhere and i can't be used i can't be useful and this is all i am and i'm just resigned myself to this life of suffering because of what I've done, you've made your bed now lie in it. That kind of American culture idea, you know, and if you don't pull yourself up by your bootstraps, well, that's too bad for you. And I kind of lived in that. And it really took me a long time to understand like that woman at the well was the first to hear an I am statement from Jesus in the book of John and that he revealed so much to her about how to worship and where you worship and who he was. And she goes out and doesn't tell everyone everything she ever did. She doesn't use that flashy testimony, which, she, by the way, was a good one. Mm-hmm. She said, come and meet the man who told me everything I Jesus ever did. Jesus was the story, not Jesus her. was the story. And I really was like, that's my identity, is in Christ. Come and meet the man who told me everything I'd ever done. Come and meet the man who told me I was so much more than everything I ever done. It's kind of like uh, you ever that you're burying the lead. Yeah. Like when sometimes, and this is where we talked about later in the message with the Paul's testimony. Our testimonies are important, but when your testimony overshadows the gospel, you're sharing the wrong story. Yes. And that's the thing. Like you're bearing the lead when it's all about you and look what I've become. Look what I've become. Oh, and it was Jesus who did it. Yeah. And by the way, now I love Jesus and do cool things for him. (laughs) It was like, he's a footnote in my testimony. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one I think that's so easy to do because we do like flashy testimonies. Absolutely. How about you, John? Um, Well, in a similar vein, is what you were saying earlier with people pleasing is that I think I would have said that, no, I don't, I'm not a people pleaser. Cause it's like, I don't feel like I go out of my way to make someone's day better or try to fix a lot of different things. But I would catch myself being like putting my own needs on the shelf or putting my own thoughts and opinions on the shelf yeah because they weren't nearly as important as the people who I was with. And I was like, Ooh, again, with the, there's kind of like a blurring here too. I was like with journey, the journey process, I was like, Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's not great. That's not good. That cuts both ways. Yeah. And it was, it was one of those things where it wasn't so much of, I think I was looking towards other uh, thoughts and opinions yeah. from other people. Um, which of course then is a form of that people pleasing, um, but kind of resting in what Jesus is saying about me and yeah. like, well, well, no, that's not really the most important thing. Is like if God has a, a calling for you, if you feeling led in a certain area, explore that, take that yeah. step, and you know, absolutely seek advice and opinion and 
but I know it's, I just always it's just kind of taken aback of how fast Paul's turnaround was here. You know, like we mentioned earlier, it was like he brought into the house and Anias prayed over him and he was out and about. He was going at it. You and know? it says he met with disciples, not the apostles. Yeah. yeah. Just other disciples of Jesus. And then he, he makes a point, And this is where one of my professors talked about how the disciples probably didn't like Paul <laughs> because Paul was, I mean, he came across kind of cocky. And there's the difference between confidence and arrogance. And mm-hmm. I, I think one could easily go, he was very arrogant. But I think that three years, he goes, it was three years before I actually went to meet with an apostle. And it wasn't even, with, he even says, it wasn't even with all of them. It was just with Cephas, which is the Aramaic name for Peter, mm-hmm. and James, Jesus' brother. Almost like a, I don't need the other 10. Who cares about them? I went and saw them. But then he doesn't make a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. And actually, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about how he confronts Peter which again, I think is Paul saying, see, I'm so, I care so little about people's opinions that I even confronted the apostle Peter, who Jesus built the church on, which is right. not that what that verse means. We'll I loved it in the sermon read through when Derek, Pastor Derek was mm-hmm. like, Paul in his writing even kind of, you can hear it and see it that he's like, I'm the smartest one in the room. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Paul kind of has that air about him and he is, I mean, he is incredible. He's not, wrong. he's not wrong. Incredibly intelligent the way that he uses words and how much he packs into his writings. Yeah. But, uh, so, but he kind of acts like it. So, uh, and we, <laughs> we talked about how like that. that he goes to Arabia. Now, interesting, we didn't talk about this in the message, but Arabia was where Mount Sinai was. And Mount Sinai was where God always had encounters with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's possible that Paul went to Arabia because he knew that if he wanted to have an encounter with God, he needed to go meet with God. It's, a, it's, a, it's an illusion. It's an illustrative illusion by Paul. Without saying, I'm going to Mount Sinai, he's going to the place where God has encounters with his people. And imagine, and, and imagine if they're right now on Marvel, on Disney+, Plus, they've got the What If series. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they're imagining what if things went differently. Well, what if Paul immediately felt like, well, I should probably go verify this with the apostles and make sure they're okay with my calling. And what if the apostles being human beings were like, no, that wasn't Jesus because Jesus would never appear to someone like you. Now, my yeah. first was the apostles would never do that. Yeah, yeah they, they, would. they absolutely would Maybe. or could. Yeah. What if that three years was about God preparing Paul to make sure that Paul's identity was formed in him and not in what other people thought because he knew that Paul was going to have to go against even Peter, yeah. even other religious leaders, and that if his identity was not formed, when he goes to his Jewish leaders, these leaders who he for years sought to get respect from, because yeah. remember, he was a Jewish religious leader. Now these people are against him. If he's not formed, how quickly could he pervert the gospel? Yep. Yeah. And so that three years is, it's not a bragging as much as Paul understood. I needed, God called him out of that desert, just like yeah. God called Jesus out into the desert for 40 days. That three years was a preparation. And what I, when thinking through that and reading through that, and I was reading a bunch of different commentaries and. And they were all kind of highlighting on this. Paul's confidence was never in Paul. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think, where I fail is that when my problem is, is that most times I don't put my confidence in Jesus. I put it in Jesus or in Jason or in somebody else. Or your and, Jason's understanding of Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even sure. Or even my theology. I remember I had to, because I like theology and that yeah. idea of being the smartest person in the room. I've, I've had that struggle. Yeah. I've had, I love knowledge. I do. I, you and I are very similar in that. Mm-hmm. Like, I love to read. I love learning. I soak up information. And I remember someone challenging me and saying, Jason, you can love theology and not love Jesus. And I went, ow. <laughs> Look away. <laughs> Look away. I'm hideous. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, well, to, almost to the opposite end of that, where I'm like, sometimes I'm, I feel like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really need to have an opinion about anything or like take a, take a stand, as it were, about anything necessarily. He's like, eh, other, other people can do that better. But it's like, well, no, God, God gives you a, a confidence, not an arrogance, as you say. I definitely don't want to be arrogant. I yeah. feel that on a very, very deep personal level. I'm like, never am I ever going to be arrogant at anything. I don't want to do that. But having a confidence, because it's not you, it's, it's about what God's doing in you. In you. Have you heard that song, Yes and Amen, from Housefires? Yes, I love that song. My confidence in your promises. And mm-hmm. there's a, there is a beauty that comes, that only comes in the time with the Lord. And, and that was something I had to learn is that all the books that I read didn't mean I had a relationship with Jesus. No, yeah. you can read all about Lisa Miller. I yeah. can go and look <laughs> her up and do, I can do some serious Facebook digging and I can know all about her. Yeah. 
But if I've never been in a room with her, never had an intimate conversation with her, do I know her? And I think that's the difference between when, when Saul goes out preaching right after he becomes a Christian and he gets kicked out, the Jews chase him out. In fact, the disciples are so worried for his safety that they kick him out of the city. They smuggle him over yeah. a wall. They're like, whoa, bro, you got to rein it in. Okay, we're going to go get you some uh, help. <laughs> and, when, and here's the thing, like the Christians are trying to keep it down low because yeah. they're already feeling pressure. And here's here's Saul going out of the temple. Hey, you, you're going to hell. Yeah. Like, right? like, <laughs> Saul, you're a bit much. <laughs> rein it in. Buddy. Rein it in. But that three years, it's he was there. God was doing something. And, and this goes back to, the, I want to end with this, is talking about this idea of conversion versus calling. And for those of you raised in the church, and we started kind of with this, for those of you raised in the church, you don't have a saved by date. Like I, my date, at least the one that I remember. Now, I'm realizing the more I learn about memory, the more I realize how shattered our memory becomes. Super cool. It is. Our, our minds are not wired to actually hold on to information correctly. Do you know every time you remember something, you're remembering the last time you remembered it? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Isn't that incredible. weird? Yeah. And that's why it changes and shifts so easily. And that's normal. We yep. are, it's not lying. It's just how your brain works. It's not lying. It's Now, there is intentional lying, but it's that our brains are created mm-hmm. a certain way. Um, and one day we'll have perfect memory and recall, but that'll be mm-hmm. in heaven. That'll be awesome. But for those of you raised in the church, you don't have a conversion story, but you still have a testimony. Mm-hmm. And for those of like Kate and I who came to Microwave Christ. Microwave faith. Microwave faith. And even though I was 13 and you were 24, right? How old am I? Yeah, 24. 24. (laughs) And and like you, I had a really broken background. 13, I'd lived a lot of life by 13. Yeah. And a lot of unhealthy life. And the testimony for you guys, you actually moved into calling, not conversion. There was no like, I once was a Christian, now I'm more of a Christian. Still a Christian, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas for me, it was, I wanted nothing to do with God. I wanted, I didn't believe in Jesus. Now I do. And there was a conversion. And then I had a conversion and a calling. You had just a calling, not just a calling. It just sunk deeper of how, oh, this is real. Yeah. Oh, this is like so much more than I ever thought it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm glad that you phrased it as such because often when people are like, oh, share your testimony, I share my calling story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I don't have a massive time that I slipped up and. I, I just can't recall. There was that, that time I happened. skipped school. Yeah. I'm like, yes, I've sinned, of course. Sure. But like when yeah. someone, a drug addict, shares their conversion story, their testimony, it's like, that has I never happened to, to me. And, yeah. but, and here's the thing, like for me, and I think it's ironic now, we both have kids. Mm-hmm. All of us have kids here. Mm-hmm. My entire life, I want to make sure my kids don't have a conversion Amen. story. Yeah. That's what I used I to won't... tell Megan all the time. And I was like, oh. That's what I pray for, Gabe. Please have a faith like this. This, yes. this spiritual gift of faith. That is something that helps me hold on to promises. Yes. The fact that I can look at Megan's testimony and go, that's a real thing that can happen to people. But your calling story is just as potent and powerful. Yeah. Because your calling is God unveiling your eyes and hoping you realize, oh, I, I thought I loved Jesus, but I had surrendered. Mm-hmm. Or I was under that lie that only some people have callings. Yeah. Yep. It's still immobilizing. A testimony or conversion, you're mobilized into action. Yes. A calling is still that mobilizing into the next step. Oh, I love yes. that. Right. That's, a that's a great, great way to put it, Max. Yep. And, and that's the purpose of a conversion is to mobilize people to realize if yes. you're not a Christian, you can become this. It's but, a power of prophecy. Yes. yes. And there's, and there's, the, there's this... Um, there's a moment in which when people realize that it's not about sensationalizing the story of the sinner, yes. but the goodness of God. Amen. And, and I think, and I was guilty of this. I even, I read this in one of the, one of the commentaries is it's so easy for us to fall in love with our testimony instead of the power of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I get it. Like, just like you, we have similar stories, but different. We have yeah. similar elements. And people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe all you've been through. And then immediately, I almost feel like the hero of my story. Yeah. Oh, look what I did. I'm a survivor. I'm yeah. not right. here for right. right. You're welcome right. for and that, Beyonce. Yeah, no, come on. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, that's actually, actually worship. Okay, that's That's better. actually, <laughs> that's, but uh, now think about I'm that. I'm too secular. <laughs> sure. Oh my gosh, that was from the video on yeah. Sunday. That video is so funny. I want to. I'm looking forward to being able to create videos like that in yeah. our church. Mm. I just um, picture somebody being like, did she just sing a secular song on that? I had to explain the shoot Christian say to my husband because he's like, I don't get the wrong word. <laughs> I was like, it's, that's Sorry, why that's... it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's even funnier. And especially because originally it's blanked out yeah. and it has like an Aspersands and the stuff. Yeah. But um, 
even that song Overcomer, and yeah. we'll end on this, right? We have Christian songs that actually highlight what we are instead of who God is. Yep. Mm. And that's what that song is. That song is, you're an overcomer through Jesus. Yes. Mm. I'm not an but overcomer. No. Yeah. I'm not an overcomer. Yeah. I Anytime I overcome something, I end up going down into a different valley. Yeah. And that's the difference is that when I overcome through Jesus, I don't end up in a different valley. But when I overcome a mountain, I slide right down the other side into a different valley. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I think that's the danger. Even within our Christian language, we use language that's more about us. Share your testimony. Share your testimony. Wait, do you want me to share Jesus or my story? Yeah. And well, well my Jesus, my story includes Jesus. No, your story should be about Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you played a part in God's kingdom. That's what I want. Yeah. Are you asking? No. Yes. I like, wait, are you asking? No. Are asking? We're going to start the podcast like, all over. Share and, testimony. And welcome to the Breakthrough <laughs> yeah, Breakdown. Yeah, uh, looking at me. I was like, what? <laughs> and you're like, what, what? Um, so insightful. <laughs> this is a silly one. I like it. This has been, this has been a fun one. Uh, you know, I, I want to end with this. And, and this is, this is the thing. If we have any takeaway from our Passport series, it's that we're actually journeying into other churches. We're traveling into the lives of other communities who their stories are kind of similar to ours. And I think there's a real beauty in that. Um, And I think there should be a humility in that we have not arrived. Zion is going on 150 years. And in that 150 years, we've made a lot of mistakes. And we've also done some, God's done some wonderful things. And we've done times where we, we made it in our own flesh. We were the hero of the story. And then there were times when Jesus was, and I think who we want to be as a community is we want Jesus to be the hero of Zion, yeah. not Zion. At the end of the day, Zion one day is going to disappear, Not hopefully not for many, many years. But when Jesus returns, Zion church ceased to exist. Yep. So does every other church. But the body of Christ, that church will always remain. Yeah. And I think that's that's my hope in this. Well, hey, uh, if you found this helpful, do me a favor, share it on share it on podcast or whatever platform you're listening to. Share it with a friend, put it on Facebook. Um, we'd love to hear your comments or thoughts. We are, I still want to do a question and answer one where yeah. we just have people writing questions. Maybe we need to start prepping for that on Sundays yeah. and asking people. You could write in Bob Goff or something. Uh, yeah, oh, we could yeah. have Bob Goff. I bet you we could pay Bob Goff to come. <gasps> Shameless plug. Shameless plug. And, and T-Wright. And T-Wright Bob Goff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just gonna make an alternate Facebook account. It's like, real Bob Goff and just message you. You know that there already is a real Bob Goff. (laughs) I would never. As far as the East is from the West. Sorry. I (laughs) I got some more learning to do. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for tuning into the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm Megan. And I'm John. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.